Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Since my last Reflections and Observations episode, quite a lot has happened in the Rowlandson household. To be more precise, just in the last week, a lot has happened. What I had planned did not happen. And what happened was not planned. By now, many of you will have heard what happened to my 16-year-old son, Eddie, on the 2nd of October. If you didn't hear, firstly, be reassured that Eddie is now home and on the road to recovery. However, I thought it would be helpful to share the details with you to ensure the safety of your children continues to remain your priority at all times. Watching my son play rugby is one of my greatest joys of life. Standing on the touchline as a proud mum, this Saturday was no different. Eddie played fly half in the first 15 and after a closely fought match in the last play, they won. It was cause for a celebratory team photo and joyous singing in the changing room. However, within an hour, Eddie complained of a jaw ache, a headache and started vomiting. During his school game, Eddie had taken a glancing knock to the right ear and temple from the opposition's knee when making a solid low tackle. He got straight up and was a bit dazed and said he had ringing in his ears, but he stopped after a few seconds. He didn't show any signs of being concussed and he passed all the tests that needed to be taken. He continued to play for the last 20 minutes of the game. Now here we were at home and all was not well just an hour later. Immediately, my husband and I went into full concussion protocol and I called some friends to come and care for our dog. Maybe call it mother's intuition, I don't know, but I just seemed to know that this was serious and we wouldn't be back home anytime soon. I was right. After two hours under close observation in A&E, I insisted that Eddie was given an anti-sickness injection. The headaches were worsening. He was sent for a CT. Within minutes, we were told that Eddie had fractured his skull and there was a large bleed. Not on the brain, but in the space between the brain and the skull. Given morphine, Eddie was blue-lighted to King's College Hospital and met on arrival by the neurosurgeon who explained the surgery that Eddie needed a right temple craniotomy, an evacuation of the extradural hematoma, and they disappeared off to theatre. John and I left the hospital and were told to wait in the car. The surgery was going to take 90 minutes. But then two hours passed, three, four, we heard nothing. We went back into the hospital trying to track Eddie down. Five hours, six hours, no news. Eventually, after seven hours of waiting, the phone rang. Eddie was in recovery. The surgery had been uncomplicated. However, the reason for the delay was twofold. It needed sedation as he was agitated coming round from the anaesthetic. Apparently, it took seven people to hold him down. 
Also, the surgeon had needed to go straight into another emergency surgery. Fast forward to less than 48 hours after his neurosurgery, we were back home. The NHS is incredible. From arriving at the Princess Royal Hospital to his release from King's College Hospital, I counted more than 50 people who helped Eddie to get the treatment that he needed. My husband and I are so grateful to everyone who made it possible for us to have Eddie back home and safe. My key learnings from this weekend are to trust my intuition, that I'm calm under pressure and that clear assertive communication is critical to move to the next step. And our advice to you is to always err on the side of caution, to seek medical attention immediately. Don't wait to see if it gets better or subsides. We caught Eddie's bleed early as we went straight into hospital and were asserted enough to get that CT scan. You know your child better than anyone and you can gauge the pain levels that they're going through. Eddie has a high threshold for pain, so I had to explain that his 8.5 out of 10 headache was bad and should be taken really seriously. And when it got to a strong 10, I again relayed the severity of that headache. So what now? Will we focus on recovery? He's swollen, he's bruised, he's exhausted, but he's home, he's okay. School have been in, they've been amazing. And hopefully after half term, Eddie will be back on the touchline to watch everyone play the sport he loves. Perhaps one day, maybe next year, he'll be playing again. It's a little too soon for us to even think about that right now. Like all experienced rugby coaches, John is required to be trained in concussion awareness and the RFU have plenty of information and training modules to deliver this. But if, like in Eddie's case, the concussion only presents itself after the player has left the purview of the coaches, then it's up to those around the player, particularly parents in the case of those under 18, to be aware of the signs of concussion and the protocol to follow as recommended by the RFU and consistent with NHS guidelines. I've put this link into the show notes, which is the RFU website has a, the concussion awareness training module. So go and have a look because these guidelines saved Eddie's life. Stay safe and stay vigilant. It was with Eddie's permission that I shared on social media what happened. Eddie is very private. However, he recognised the significance of sharing our story publicly. On LinkedIn, it's gone viral. And at the point of recording this, it has reached over 137,000 views, almost 1,000 reactions with 250 comments. Now, let me make myself very clear. These are certainly not the circumstances under which I would have wanted any of my posts to go viral. However, also I do, because I appreciate that many people will benefit from the awareness that I've raised by sharing something so private in the public arena. I now know that potentially other lives could be saved. I've been building my audience over years and the value of that is such that when you have something important to share, more people will see it. You may have something important to share, however, it's of no use if no one has been listening. Visibility is key to effective communication and this is where the audience piece comes in. Through Focus on Why, I've built a global audience where the podcast is being downloaded in 93 countries. And this is when, when something like this, which is so important to be shared on LinkedIn, many, many people have seen it. I've had second and third connections that have been reaching out to me. Other people who I don't even know have shared the post. One of those people is Matt Everett, and I asked him why he chose to share my story across his network. 
Hey Amy, for me there are a few reasons why I found this post so influential to me. What first drew me to it was the initial collective sense of achievement, the celebrations of a rugby team pulling together for a common goal and that sense of euphoria when that goal is met. Then it was the power of intuition from a parent that can sense something isn't right. It isn't always parental, it's friendship, it's management. That sixth sense that comes with knowing someone so well that you have to simply trust your instincts, back your intuition and push others to trust you that something isn't right. Then it was a sense of trusting in others, that helplessness that comes when you hand your caring instincts over to those that you know deep down are better equipped than yourself to help those you love. That is so hard to do. Then the sense of utter gratitude and deep down respect for those that help someone you love. Then what grabbed me next was the appreciation of teamwork again, almost full circle, without the teamwork of those 50-odd NHS staff. Who knows? So many moving parts that needed to work collaboratively and quickly to succeed. And finally, the time and courage to share the story to us all. Thank you. Well, my thanks goes to you, Matt, so much for sharing all of your insights. When I sought Eddie's permission to share the experience so publicly, I explained to him the learnings that would be taken by others. And your response to my post has just endorsed exactly that. So thank you. So with all of that off my chest, I needed to do that. <laughs> Let's dive in to today's reflections and observations from the last five episodes. First is episode 209, Level Up with Victoria Ely. Believing that you become who you surround yourself with, Victoria surrounded herself with goal-oriented, high-level entrepreneurs. She shifted her mindset and removed hidden blocks to give herself a sense of purpose to create a sustainable and ethical supported living property business. To improve your life and the lives of those you love, Victoria says it's all about who you have in your network. And by seeking out those people, she made the conscious decision to level up. Throughout her life, Victoria's loved helping others. She's cared for her disabled parents, nurtured sick animals back to health, and now she's helping vulnerable people when they find themselves in need of a safe place to call home. Victoria is proud to have built a business as a supported living landlord, providing houses to people in their time of need. And now she's on a quest to educate and encourage others to get involved in this great cause. Victoria believes that fear is temporary, regret lasts forever. She's adopted that as her go-to phrase. Public speaking is a big fear for a lot of people. It used to be one of mine. However, I've worked hard to change that. This weekend, I've been levelling up and I've spent my time surrounding myself with experts who speak at the Professional Speaking Association. I cannot describe just how incredible it is to be surrounded by these people who have so much energy, passion and a desire to level up. I was invited to speak at the Speaking Business Summit 2021. My talk was called Podcast with a Focus on Why. And I focus on delivering a 25-minute talk to my peers, which I'm delighted to say was well-received. I knew it would be because I'd centred the talk on what the audience wanted, what they needed and what they valued. How was I so sure? I'd asked them. Three weeks ago, I put a post out asking what they wanted me to cover and that's what I delivered. It's simple, really. I didn't leave it to guesswork. I asked, they answered and I focused on them. 
Nothing was left to chance. And that is why after I finished my talk, I received lots and lots of exclamation marks, which is a sign of appreciation and applause from the audience in the chat box, along with individual comments from Jackie Handy saying it was absolutely superb content. Lorna McCallum said it was so valuable. Mike Blissett said, this has been awesome, Amy. Jim Boyd said it was been a really valuable session. And Alan Stevens said it was a great presentation. Well, thank you, everyone. I am thrilled. I went to my first PSA meeting back in March 2020. I joined the PSA two months later in May, entering the Speaker Factor competition in September and was in the final at the 2020 Summit in October. I became a professional member in November and I became vice president for the Southeast region. Next year, I am president of the Southeast and all this has arisen because I have leveled up. Last year, when I entered Speaker Factor, I was terrified. I was relieved not to have won, as it would have meant that I had to deliver the winner's speech this year on stage. However, so much has changed in a year, because this October I chose to speak. I noticed the growth of my confidence within. I've become the average of the five people who surround me. I've become held accountable from the peers that I surround myself with. And I've focused on my goal setting. This has not happened overnight. This has happened in steps, steps taken sequentially, which have compounded over time. And it reminds me of the importance and the magic of thinking big, just like David Schwartz's book, The Magic of Thinking Big. I was recommended this book by my property mentor five years ago. And despite being published in 1959, this seminal self-help masterpiece was updated again in 2016 to make it more relevant to thinking big in the 21st century. It claims to be a go-to guide for a better life, starting with the way you think, and I'd have to agree with this claim. The book, with its practical, engaging and empowering style, allows the author to get to the very core of why thinking big will make you live big. He motivates and inspires you to add value to things, to people and to yourself. To think big by visualising what can be done in the future. To launch yourself to success with the power of belief. To get big results by believing big. To use your mind for thinking, not simply a warehouse for thoughts. To overcome the problem of age being too young or too old. To develop the big thinker's vocabulary to defeat disbelief and the negative power it creates, to make your mind produce positive thoughts, to do more and to do it better, to turn on to your creative power and to capitalise on the power of now. These are just 11 points that he makes from a list of 84 actions in the book. The chapters coach you to build your confidence, to take action and to discover success. The difference between success and failure is found in one's attitude towards failure, setbacks or obstacles. How do you turn defeat into victory? This book shows you how. It shows you how to see what can be, not just what is. You are what you think you are. What do you think about you? Believe you can succeed and you will. The size of your success is determined by the size of your belief. Think big goals and win big. Remember the quality of the answer is determined by the quality of your question. What are you asking of yourself? And go back to Victoria's mantra, fear is temporary, regret lasts forever. How are you leveling up today? My next reflection is on episode 210, Spectator in Your Own Mind with Imogen Edwards-Jones.
Imogen is my cousin, and many a summer I have spent listening to her wonderful storytelling as we meet up at our parents' homes in France. Now is a perfect opportunity for me to share her tales with you. Responsible for the hugely successful Babylon series, which includes the Sunday Times bestsellers Hotel Babylon, Air Babylon, Fashion Babylon, the series has sold over one and a half million copies in the UK alone. It's been translated into some 20 different languages worldwide and been made into two BBC primetime TV shows. Imogen is a broadcaster for BBC Radio 4 and Radio 5 and television presenter. She won the Independent Scholarship from Bristol University, where she read Russian. And she's written for numerous Fleet Street newspapers and magazines for the past 25 years. Cataloguing the fall of an empire prompted an instant love affair with Russia. Moving on to explore various Babylonian worlds, the lure of black magic transported her back into the heart of St. Petersburg. Whether she is ghostwriting or writing about witches, her books speak volumes honing her state of flow to channel her writing with a clear focus on why, award-winning journalist, broadcaster, novelist and screenwriter, Imogen describes what it's like to be a spectator in your own mind. Imogen caught my attention in this episode with what appeared to be a flippant remark about writer's block, saying that she's not rich enough to get it. What's the phrase I'm thinking of? Yes, the, the truth is offset in jest. For Imogen, writing is a passion. However, it's also her profession, her vocation and her mission. It's a classic case of ikigai. And she also spoke of the magic of being in flow. Yes, writing is her living. However, it's also to do with her why. She's focused on her goal. And there's a strong underlying need which is driving Imogen to write, which combines with her want to write. It's a winning combination. My focus on writing varies. I write these reflections prior to sharing them with you in the spoken form. I also write weekly newsletters, blogs, speeches, stories, emails, journal entries, podcasts, show notes, social media posts, letters, scripts. And at school, I used to write poetry and essays. But the one thing I've yet to write is a book. It's on the cards. And in preparation, I recently read On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft by Stephen King a brilliant example of how to knit the genius of storytelling with teaching. And I hope to do this one day with Focus on Why. If you want to be a writer, you must do two things above all others. Read a lot and write a lot. Every book you pick up has its own lesson or lessons. And quite often the bad books have more to teach than the good ones. This is what Stephen King says in his book. So there it is. Stephen King has given you and me permission to read and, and despite a desire to focus on writing today, already reading has crept its way back into the picture for me. Writing and reading have entertained and educated people for millennia and appear almost inseparable. According to the British Library, the origins of writing vary and new archaeological discoveries could change the dates that we currently understand. Full writing systems have been invented independently at least four times in the history of the human. A system of writing called cuneiform was used between 3400 and 3300 BCE in Mesopotamia and in 3200 BCE in Egypt. In 1300 BCE, during the late Shang dynasty in China, there was evidence of a writing system and also in Mesoamerica between 900 and 600 BCE. So fascinating. And since studying the science and history behind communication at university for my linguistics degree, 
I continue to be fascinated by writing and how writing differs in its many forms. Two recent guests on Focus on Why have been fabulous writer, copywriter Jackie Barry and also award-winning journalist Imogen. Both have spoken about and advocated living in the moment. And again, it reminded me of something that Elizabeth Gilbert wrote in Big Magic about creative living, living a creative life, an amplified life. I advocate living versus existing. And to take that to the next level, how about trying creative living? Elizabeth Gilbert said, I never promised the universe that I would be a great writer. I just promised the universe that I would be a writer. Giving myself permission to focus on writing each day is taking me ever closer to writing my first book. And I'm mindful of the advice from Elizabeth Gilbert, Stephen King and Imogen Edwards-Jones. The majority of people who start writing a book don't follow it through to completion. Each day I focus on writing. How about you? How does writing feature in your life and your work? Follow the advice from the master of writing, Stephen King. Write a lot and read a lot. Next up is an episode that was supposed to have been recorded almost 19 months ago, as Catherine Morgan was instrumental in helping me to create this podcast. Due to a series of events, our recording was delayed again and again and again. However, finally, we've managed it, and there was a strange feeling of serendipity that coursed throughout this recording. Catherine is now living back in Jersey, and having turned her life around, in episode 211, Catherine shared why it was so important for her to be back in Jersey again. Catherine Morgan is a multi-award winning qualified financial planner and an award winning financial coach who is on a mission to reduce financial anxiety and increase financial empowerment and resilience for one million women around the world. Catherine says money is about three things. It's about how comfortable we feel to receive, how comfortable we are to hold on to that wealth, and then how comfortable we are to give wealth away. What would it take to break free from living with generational trauma? A low sense of self-worth and a feeling of being trapped in a constant debt and shame cycle. By removing all the guilt and shame and learning to form a better relationship with money, Catherine Morgan has taken herself on a transformational journey from being 30,000 in debt to creating a multi six figure business. Now, helping others to create financial independence, follow Catherine in her financial shoes and understand what is to be gained from stepping into wealth. Now, I almost called this episode a sense of self worth. Often, when I'm titling these episodes, key messages pop out to me and they just stand out from the rest. And with this one, that internal sense of being good enough and worthy of love and belonging from others also stood out. Catherine talks of wealth and of value and of self-worth, of knowing your value, knowing that you matter. Talking about self-worth reminded me of the conversation I had with Manmeet Kaur Chowdhury about comparing ourselves with others. This was back in episode 81 in A Life by Design with Manmeet, where she reminded us that the grass is not greener in other people's lives. Focus on being, not doing. Focus on being kind to yourself, on challenging and silencing your inner critic. To focus on your own lane. Focus on who you are and not what you do. This takes me on to the Cole Method, developed by Daniel J. Siegel, MD. 
Siegel received his medical training from Harvard University and completed his postgrad medical education at UCLA with training in pediatrics and child, adolescent and adult psychiatry. Siegel's Cole attitude focuses on being curious, open, accepting and loving towards yourself and your experiences rather than being self-critical. Siegel describes it as time in, not time out. Time in for you, a mindfulness session where you can check in on your self-reflection, where you tune into your own mind, helping you to know yourself, to understand your emotions and to choose how you behave. When you take time to adopt Siegel's coal attitude, you can challenge your thoughts and how you want to differentiate from negative past influences. In this way, you give your life meaning and direction without falling victim to the inner critic that could hold you back from achieving your goals. What does self-worth mean to you? How do you apply the coal attitude to your life? Now, something else that Catherine mentioned was a word, a single word. She picked a word that meant everything, that tied all the strands of her life together. And for her, that word was spaciousness. And this reminds me again of the episode of Chasing Freedom with Julie Crefield, episode 137. Julie also chooses one word. She chose authority. And I decided to choose opportunity for this year. And as 2021 nears its end and 2022 beckons, I reflect on how the word opportunity has served me. Opportunity, a time or set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. I have created so many opportunities this year and I've been open to receiving them too. I know there are still many more to come. Do you have a single word that you focus on? If you don't, what word do you choose? Before I leave Catherine's episode, I wanted to highlight the importance of stepping into wealth. Financial literacy is a topic I am passionate about and it's not because I love numbers. I still favour words more than numbers, but numbers matter. My focus is on education, on knowledge and awareness of numeracy. And this is where my focus switches from financial numeracy to financial literacy. I'm a keen reader of nonfiction and over the last five years, I've read hundreds of business strategy, personal development, entrepreneurial mindset, leadership and property related books. But I have noticed that only 25% of these have been penned by women. I've raised this issue before. So how are the younger generations supposed to be influenced by women if they have so few women role models to aspire to? Trailblazers, women who can show them what is possible in life, to show not only the next generation, but this generation, what they could still achieve and how they can still shape the future. It's never too late. This is why I focus on why, and this is why I share all these messages on this podcast so that I can create the opportunity for people to have a platform to share their message with others. You've likely heard of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book written by Robert Kiyosaki. But have you heard of Rich Woman? Rich Woman was written by his wife, Kim Kiyosaki, back in 2006. And it was one of the first books that I read. And it was when I was making my decision to invest in property professionally. After reading this book, I made a commitment to myself to empower as many women as I could along my journey. And this is one of the reasons I set up a Women in Property Mastermind back in January 2017, which is still going strong today. 
In the world of investing, the how to invest, how to buy a rental property, choose a stock or get a good return on your investment is the same for women as it is for men. So why is there a need for a book on investing that's just for women? Well, the answer is because when it comes to money, men and women are different historically, psychologically, mentally, emotionally. Catherine knows this, which is why her focus is to help women to reduce financial anxiety and increase financial empowerment and resilience. I'm there to help support Catherine with this mission by sharing this episode with you. I'm hoping that her message will be received by more and more people. Today, more than ever, women can no longer depend on someone else, be it a partner, parents, boss or government to take care of them financially. What was true for their mothers and grandmothers is not applicable to them today. In Kim's opinion, and I do agree, women must learn to invest to ensure a secure life for themselves and for their children. The rules of life have changed and it's time that we take control of our financial futures. So what can you do? Take action now. Teach yourself first and then help others. It's that old adage of sorting out your own oxygen mask first to breathe and then be able to help those around you to breathe. I've been educating myself. I've been learning finance. I've been running businesses. I'm now passionate at helping others to do the same. Have fun. Engage in your community and give to others. That's the fulfillment piece. That's the focus on why. Position yourself around good people and create a 100% team of supporters. It's time to rise above the obstacles, to rise beyond where you think you can go, to rise up to your financial genius. And as Kim said, it's rising time. Next up is episode 212, Live From Your Heart with Diana Hartley. Like Catherine, Diana is an empath. In fact, there is a lot of synergy between the work that Diana and Catherine do as they both focus on self-worth. Having spent most of her life holding her breath, it was knowing that she was finally able to express herself that Diana felt she had the freedom to breathe. As an empath and highly sensitive person struggling with her energy levels, Diana realized that she would find a better path in the entrepreneurial world. Recognizing her true gift and her true voice, Diana believes that to see love in the world, you need to live from the heart. Diana's mission is to empower as many sensitive people as possible, empaths, highly sensitive people, introverts, to overcome the stereotype of you're too sensitive and other misperceptions that have kept their gifts silent and often unused. Diana teaches people self-worth, scrubbing away the false perceptions of who they are and embracing self-love as they have wonderful gifts to give to the world. As a little girl, Diana understood one thing, love. Earlier, I spoke of the magic of thinking big, and here I focus on living from the magic of your heart. Something struck me this week after reflecting on this episode. In fact, it was another one of my powerful shower moments. And when I say that, it was a moment that was particularly powerful, not the shower. What I focus on in my business and my personal life is aligned. I realized that for the first, maybe not the first time, but it just became so much clearer to me. Having been personally touched by two close friends who have lost their sons aged 16 and 18, my volunteering work is focused on the hearts and the minds of those around me. I organise fundraiser events to raise awareness of cardiac risk in the young, which provides heart screenings for 14 to 35-year-olds. With what happened with Eddie, my son, my awareness is now also turned to the minds, 
because of the concussion awareness. Hearts and minds are where this podcast originated. Have you heard the expression winning the hearts and minds of people? It's something that Simon Sinek discusses in his fabulous book, Start With Why. It's when we make emotional or intellectual connections that influence the decisions of people through their hearts and their minds. Knowing the difference between the why and the what. The difference between speaking from the heart and the mind. According to Sinek, when we talk about what we do, we're able to describe it using facts, figures and visuals which help people to hear, see and understand. And when we communicate why we do that, it's harder for us to describe and put it into words because it just feels right. It's our limbic brain that's making these decisions. I hadn't thought about all this before I read the book. Before, I just knew it was a decision. It was that intuitive gut feel. I didn't realize it was a decision from the heart. We're so bombarded with information today that sometimes taking that time in, like Siegel said earlier, to listen to our intuition, then you can achieve a balance of your heart and mind at decisions. And just because you can't describe it, can't describe how you feel about something, doesn't mean that you should dismiss it or, or challenge it, challenge that rationale for your decision making. I trusted my intuition with Eddie and I used my heart and mind combined thinking I focused on my why. Your purpose, your why, sets a course for your life, your business. The why always comes first. And this is why when I hear that question, so what do you do? It's when I wince, I falter, my hackles instinctively go up. I stop, I shift a little on my feet and smile politely, give my answer. This kind of conversation isn't off for a good start for me. People might spot that wave of disappointment wash over me. I'm not a poker player. I can't disguise it. The micro facial expressions would have given me away. What is my problem with this question? So what do you do? What I do for a living is an easy question for me to answer. I love what I do. I know what I do and I know why I do it. That's not the issue here. It's just that in that moment, by starting with that question, the other person is using my profession as a foundation of whether I'll be of interest to them. They're placing a bias label on me, putting me in a neat pigeonhole in their mental filing system, slotting me into where I fit into their map of the world. And it's for this reason that I find this question a problem. There's an obsession with someone's profession, and we are so much more than just this one aspect of us. Our profession is just one part of who we are. And it's why I avoid asking the question, what do you do? And instead, ask engaging questions that open up opportunities for people to share more about what they do in life and what is important to them. It gives them an opportunity to share what lights them up. How much more fun is that conversation going to be then? So don't fall into the trap. Life is all about the people you meet and the things you create with them. Start out on a more positive footing. Be inquisitive, be curious, be interesting. What brings you joy in life? What are you focusing on at the moment? What has surprised you this week? Ask these questions instead. Don't ask what do you do? Change it to the focus on why. I shared this thought recently on LinkedIn and I want to give you a couple of extra questions supplied from other people. So firstly, a shout out to Rachel Kehoe who says she has a friend who asks a slightly different question. What do you do in your life that you love? And another shout out to Paul Watson-Gover, who says that Tim Ferriss says that a better alternative to this question is, what are you most excited about right now? 
I love both of these. So add them to your greetings toolbox and help empower people to understand their gifts, just as Diana Hartley does. Do you live from your heart? Are you able to understand what's going on inside you, what your true gifts are and what your true voice is? Try living from the heart. And my final reflection today goes to episode 213, Innovation with Courage with Dr. Lizzie Bernthal. After serving 25 years as a healthcare professional in the British Army as a Lieutenant Colonel with a PhD in psychological well-being, Dr. Lizzie Bernthal has a new mission in life to eliminate toxic leadership from the workplace. Showing people how to overcome their inner war zone, Lizzie is empowering those who lack confidence or are too scared to speak up or show up creating ripples of positive change, believing that failure is purely feedback and encouraging people to become powerful and purposeful leaders, Lizzie demonstrates that innovation takes courage. Lizzie learned a huge amount about leadership when when she was in the army whilst facing adverse situations. She learned so much about herself and what her strengths were. She also learned about how she could learn and grow and what she could do differently. It's all about the feedback, she said. Every minute of every day is feedback. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is purely feedback. Lizzie challenges the status quo. She challenges what the meaning of integrity is and whether she's living with integrity. She challenges innovation. Saying you cannot have innovation without courage because innovation by definition is a risk. And in order to take a risk, that takes courage. One of my observations from Lizzie's conversation is that we live in a world of paradoxes. It's true. A lot of what we face in life is paradoxical, but what is the purpose of a paradox? It is to arrest attention and to provoke fresh thought. And the paradoxes that Lizzie shared in her episode provoked much fresh thought for me. Lizzie worked in a fighting organisation, yet she saved lives. She was in a profession where she had to be willing to sacrifice her own life to save others. She had to overcome her inner war zones to achieve peace, peace of mind. She spoke of failing and the paradox of failing means you're more likely to succeed. The paradox of being true to yourself is in conflict with belonging and fitting in. Reflector on Diana again, love is also a paradox being so simple yet so complex too. And the paradox I face all the time is the more I learn, the more I realise I don't know. Freedom and commitment are in opposition with one another, just as we seek certainty in a world of change. And going back to public speaking, the more scared I feel, the more I do it. Yet another paradox. Lizzie was a finalist in this year's Speaker Factor competition from the PSA. The same competition I was a finalist last year. So many people on this podcast have also been in that same competition. And this year's Speaker Factor winner was my good friend, the wonderful Camilla Long, who shared her message in episode 126. Now, I encouraged Camilla to join the PSA and look what she's gone on to achieve. Surrounded by people who have supported her, Camilla has been true to herself. She's focused on why. And like Victoria Ely, she levelled up. Like Imogen, she was a spectator in her own mind. Like Catherine, she knew her self-worth. And like Diana, she lives from her heart. And like Lizzie, she showed her innovation with courage. PSA President Dr Linda Shaw chose a theme for this year's speaking summit, 
as going for growth with several sub themes of growing with a team growing it alone growing new seeds growing with collaboration and growing the whole you a podcast straddles all of these themes however my part in the summit was to show people how to podcast with purpose how to stand out from the crowd and how to grow a podcast from a single seed i focused on innovation and creative thinking linda planted a seed back in my mind in May this year, when on her professional development neuroscience program, she shared a paradox that affects all of us. Change is the only given. The seed has been growing ever since. What seed will you plant today? Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.